listening to the Bookcase podcast, a book study from the team at Case. Every other month, we choose a book that is meaningful to us, and you will hear from educational leaders across the state with fascinating perspectives about what we've read. If you want to check out the books we'll be discussing in future episodes, please check out our website, www.co-case.org backslash podcast, so you can read along with us. Welcome to our Bookcase podcast. I am Carrie Yancer, and I'm thrilled to be your host today. I am currently the Director of Professional Learning at the Colorado Association of School Executives. And prior to joining Case, I was a former school principal at all three levels. I spent most of my educational career in the Delta County School District on the Western Slope of Colorado, about 24 years. I spent 16 of those years as the proud principal of Hotchkiss Pre-K-8, and I finished out my principalship a little over two and a half years in the Boulder Valley School District. Because of these experiences, I've had the amazing opportunity to work with and learn from our three esteemed guests today on our podcast. I'm excited to visit with these outstanding principals and hear their thoughts on the book, Live Your Excellence, Bring Your Best Self to School Every Day by Jimmy Casas. Jimmy Casas was Case's 2019 keynote speaker at our Winter Leadership Conference, and he's also the author of the book, Culturized. Beyond his inspirational keynote that he gave at our Winter Leadership Conference, Jimmy has continued his partnership and friendship with Case and our Colorado leaders, and he's done this through coaching, book studies, and mentorship. Our guests today not only bring their best selves to their school and their districts every day, but their proven leadership has been paramount to the positive growth socially, emotionally, mentally, culturally, and academically in their respective schools. I'm going to ask our three principals to introduce themselves, their school district, their school, numbers of years as an administrator, past experiences that they may want to share with our listening audience, And the kicker question of introduction is, using only one word, please describe how the book Live Your Excellence made you feel after you finished reading it. Let's start with Eric. Hi, my name is Eric Olson, and I am the proud principal of Red Hill Elementary School. We are located in Gypsum, Colorado, as part of the Eagle County Schools system. And uh, this is my eighth year as principal here and uh, some years of assistant principal before that and in professional development, former high school teacher, um, and past president of the Colorado Association of Elementary School Principals. I'm uh, very humbled to have been asked by Carrie to be part of this leadership uh, and was inspired by by Jimmy at the last case conference that we had, um, delivered one of the more powerful keynote addresses that I've seen. So I uh, was very excited when we heard that this book was going to be chosen for the first book case study. I think it's an excellent book. And the word that comes to mind for me after uh, reading it is is recommitted. Um, I've always been committed, but you know, you read a book like this and it makes you reflect and it makes you really want to think about your practices, how they influence the school, how they influence the people around you. And uh, not that there is necessarily, you know, earth shattering, oh my gosh, this is new information, but it's always good to be reminded of the importance of relationships, the importance of reaching out to staff and students, and the importance of self-reflection in this position as well. So uh, I think it's a great book and I look forward to our conversation. I am. 
Justin McMillan, principal at Weld Central Middle School in the Weld RE3 School District out here in Keensburg. Um, I've also been a principal up in Boulder Valley School District, Brighton, and Weld RE1. So I've had principal experience at the elementary, K-8, middle, and high school level. And uh, my one word is hope. And as Jimmy Costas talks about, hope is not a strategy, but it's a beginning and a start. And I think that's a good word for not only what's going on in the world and, and the pandemic, but this awesome book that helps re-energize us to the next level. Great. Thanks for sharing, Justin. Um, our last guest with us is Katrina. Hi, I'm Katrina Estrada. I'm currently serving as principal at Thunder Valley K-8 in the St. Vrain Valley School District. This is my ninth year being an administrator, and Jimmy Casas has just been an influence not only for me, but my entire staff in making change, building relationships, and focusing on our culture. The one word after reading Live Your Excellence is really empowered and empowered in making change and that really it's not too late, and every day you have a fresh start to make that day great. As you can Tell listeners you are in for a serious treat with our three esteemed guests here today. So we're going to just get right into some of these questions about the book, Live Your Excellence, Bring Your Best Self to School Every Day. Justin, I'm going to turn to you. And the question that I'd like for you to share with our listeners is the premise of the book is about cultivating a mindset that centers on investing in students, colleagues, and most of all, ourselves. Rather than getting caught in the compliance trap of blame and fear that Jimmy talks about. Understanding our educational environment, what strategies, values, or beliefs have you been able to use to help cultivate an investment mindset for students and staff? And how will you continue to cultivate that growth in the future? Such a great question. So uh, this is my first year at Well Central Middle School. And right off the bat, we reestablished that we are here for kids and to invest in people. Um, so we reestablished our mission, which is every student, every day, whatever it takes, which is also from Culturize, another one of Jimmy Goss's great books. And it's literally throughout our whole school, every wall, every hallway, every off in front of the copy machine, our mission statement is right there every single day. Um, then we established our values. What are we all about? And it's, it's living that key piece and modeling it. So if we ask teachers to be outside their classroom, Jimmy Cosa talks a lot about like we need to model that and expect more of ourselves so that we actually can show the real investment rather than the mandate of you must be outside your classroom every single period. I'm going to be outside playing music for the kids as they enter in and and you can't high five kids right now, but we fist bump or, or give them the elbow and say, good morning, buenos dias, how are you? Welcome to the school. I'm so glad to see your face. And that is what we need to do more often. You know, he talks about John Wooden. That's one of my favorite quotes. Best leadership tool you have is your own personal example. Don't be the lid on ideas. So I've really practiced that a lot of having set times every single week where I'm meeting with staff individually, along with my executive leadership team and hearing, you know, if you were principal today, what would you do differently? And then what are you willing to invest in that process? And so it's asking those key questions. It's listening more than you're talking as a leader. It's summarizing the idea. And then it's it's really the best question you can ask back to staff is, I need your help. What are you willing to invest? I'll um, piggyback off Justin. I really loved how Jimmy talks about reframing. And as you're talking about 
you know, having teachers out in the hallway and thinking about, oh, I have hallway duty or lunch duty or bus duty and really reframing that to it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to connect, to build relationships, to see students, to just say hi, like Justin was talking about. And I really love that and really try to reframe the way either one, I'm communicating with staff or the way I'm thinking about it personally. And I think the other big thing Justin mentioned was listening. And I think this year more than ever, you know, thinking of my previous or novice years of being an administrator, I would really jump back to my experiences as being in a classroom teacher and what I went through. And I think this is what's best based on my experiences. Well, this year, I don't have that experience. I've never taught online. I've never taught in a hybrid model. And so now more than ever, I have to listen to my teachers and I have to ask those questions. How does this feel? What are you going through? What do you need? And I think I always thought I was a good listener and now reflecting, I haven't been. And now this year, I've had to really be intentional about listening. And I think that's uh, and that's great, Katrina. And I agree that uh, what I what I think is with your reframing is kind of viewing every moment as an opportunity rather than something we have to do or something that we're just doing to get through. Um, but really looking at every moment is what what can I make out of this moment and how can I bring the best out of the people around me? Um, I'm given this opportunity. We're given this opportunity every day to really influence others. And part of that reframing, I think, that uh, really resonated with me is that idea of, you know, if there's problems going on in the school and we all have problems, you know, some staff members may be a little disgruntled or there's problems with behavior and the students and we all experience those problems. And I think that uh, initially it's very easy to try to assign blame to those problems and be like, oh, well, that's just because she's grumpy and, you know, doesn't doesn't really like coming to work. And that's, oh, those kids are, they're just troublemakers and they're not going to behave. But then the reframing part part of it really comes in and is how am I affecting that? How are my actions as a leader impacting those around me? And what this book made me kind of reflect on is I think so many of those problems stem from a lack of investment in some form or another. And I I think of the uh, disgruntled teacher. I think of the kids that are constantly making headaches for teachers. And instead of being like, okay, they've got their own issues, I'm really thinking about what role did I play in that? And I think I think Jimmy Casas is especially effective at bringing it back to that question. It's not, oh, what are the external factors, but what are uh, the internal factors? What are we bringing to school and how does that influence the people around us? So viewing it from that um, frame of investment, I think, is really useful that a lot of the problems might be because there's a lack of investment there. That, that is such true points that you guys mentioned. And, you know, Katrina, I'm just going to kind of grow on that. Jimmy refers to negative undercurrents, and we all know that they're prevalent in our school systems right now and have been. I'm sure you've experienced them as well. Can you share how you use strategies from the book to overcome these undercurrents? And do you have any advice or guidance that you can share with other leaders in dealing with undercurrents? Yes. Um, And I think Jimmy talks about it a lot in his book about just what you're in action say. 
And even though you may not be addressing or you have some inactions about some of those undercurrents, what message does that send? When you don't address them or have those conversations, it does send the message that it may be okay. And so really, I think not taking it personal, whatever that might be, I've learned that more so this year and really knowing that we are responsible for our own attitudes. And so I'm here to support and to help problem solve and make things better. So approaching those conversations with that type of attitude of how do I support? What do you need? How can I help you? And not going to that blame or that negative space and really honoring just those different perspectives, you know, and I think that's the one thing I'm learning is I don't know, and I need that communication and really reiterating with my staff this year that how important the communication is. And it can be about your frustrations. And the more and more we communicate and we're on the same page and I understand, the more I can support and help and really support our culture as a staff. The other thing that Jimmy talks about is every decision we make or fail to make as a leader has the potential to impact both school culture and morale in positive or negative ways. And that's what I'm referring to is that inaction. So it's really your decision to address those undercurrents or to let them go really is setting the tone for your morale in negative or positively. I'd like to jump on that. So I totally agree, Katrina. And at the heart of every problem is a conversation to be had. You know, so one thing I really like that he says is like having those one-on-one conversations and going away from the anonymous survey or the end of the year, like how are things going? Um, is sitting down one-on-one, asking people for their trust and let them know that if I ever break your trust, feel free to never talk to me again. But I need you to you know share with me what's currently going on because a lot of times we're unaware of the undercurrents that are going on. So how do we really build that culture of like, I'm here to listen to you and hear what's going on. And then I'm going to ask for an investment back to help to solve the problem. Cause we need a whole building full of leaders, but you got to establish the trust. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And and he makes a he actually goes into quite a bit about gossip, which I think is part of those negative undercurrents. And I, I think as I reflected as my evolution as a leader, uh, at first I didn't want to really address that. I thought those were just interpersonal conflicts and that we're all professionals and they should be able to rise above it and do better and just uh, you know get along. And then I realized, Katrina, like you said, the decisions of what we don't address kind of give that implicit permission to other people people to do that. And so as I have grown into the position, I realized, yeah, you know, it is kind of my my role to address that and to have those difficult conversations. I think that it's easy to be like, okay, there's, you know, there, I know there's a little issue going over there, but you kind of walk around it and you kind of don't you talk about other things, um, but people pick up on that. And I think that's one of the things that is very clear in this book is teachers and, and staff and students pick up on a lot of what we put out there. And so we have to be very mindful of, uh, you know, having the positive mindset when we go out there and and holding uh, other people to that expectation as well. A strategy that I've, I've just started this year, and I would love to continue and get more into just with the switch from remote and hybrid, just doing walk and talks with staff and just saying, hey, let's go for a walk. And we have a great track and space outside of our building that it's like, let's go get away from our screens, get some fresh air and just talk and just ask questions of 
what's hard right now and hearing and letting teachers talk freely about that. And really then what's going well, like, what are you celebrating and what are you excited about? And it really is a space that is not intimidating. We're not sitting in my office. We're, you know, getting away from screens, getting some exercise, enjoying some fresh air, and really just finding the value in those conversations and seeing how much teachers appreciate those. There's no agenda. It's just putting it on my calendar. I know this teacher has planned. I'm going to stop by their room and see if they have 10 minutes to do a walk and talk. And That's something that I really want to continue and do more of to be able to listen and have those conversations and build that trust like Justin was talking about. I like that, Katrina. And and also keeping track of how often we interact with our staff. So one thing I I do is actually track how often I'm checking in with people. So not only the one-on-one conversations, but, you know, if people are a little bit more grumpy or like Jimmy Casas talks about like awfulizers. And we label them that because we think that that's who they are, but it's not who they are. And nobody goes into this business to become average or to be grumpy or to be awful. Um, they want to be great for kids. And so going in with that mindset, but then making sure we still go into those classrooms and, and put aside our preconceived notions and believe in that person again and reinvest in that staff member because they don't want to be that way. You guys, that that just resonates so well to so many places that that leaders are in right now. And as we think about that, and we talk about that, and we recognize those undercurrents, and we start moving forward in the book, Jimmy really kind of developed four different quadrants. And I'm going to look to you, Eric, to kind of start us. He talks about a culture of investment, valuing colleagues, reaching students, and then developing leadership. Knowing those four quadrants and reading the book and hearing from you today, what really resonates with you and kind of tell our listeners why it resonated with you and how you've adjusted your leadership style based on the reading? That's a great question. And it was very hard to, for me to pinpoint one area because a lot of the book is uh, very rich and um, spoke to me on, on many levels. And when I was going through that, reaching students has always been something that was just kind of easy for me. And, and you know, it's I can have those conversations. And so that's part of, you know, why I love elementary school is I love t- being with students. So there's parts, I think, that come naturally to people. Um, then there's other parts that we have to work on and part that, you know, I've really been intentional about in the last uh, year or so is valuing colleagues, especially as we're going through these tough times. Everybody is uh, revving at, you know, 7,000 RPM right now. And uh, we're just going really hard and really fast. And there's this underlying anxiety. And I realize, uh, you know, I think we all know this, that if we don't take care of the teachers, they're they're not going to be as uh, good at their job. Another book that I like and will frequently quote is, if you don't feed the teachers, they'll eat the students. So to that effect, I actually have a cart of snacks over here uh, that I'm going to go around with after this podcast and give a right to my teachers on this last day of school that we have. And, you know, that's one way of recognizing, valuing colleagues, you know, going door to door, making sure they have a little something. But the part that I think really spoke to me about this book was more the, the culture of investment. And 
what does that mean? And it made me go back to a place where I used to work in graduate school out at the University of Santa Barbara. And I worked at the Center for Educational Leadership and Effective Schools. And the director of the program out there was very conscious in her use of the word uh, shareholder instead of stakeholder. And I think this book, when you when you think about a shareholder, you think about investing in stocks or what, what you might have a share in. And it, it's very small linguistic twist, but it actually, I think, makes a, a point that Jimmy's trying to make is um, building this culture of investment, making sure that we all have a share in what's going on. And that's what I'm really trying to move towards now. And what this book has made me think about is, yes, I can, you know, give teachers gifts and I can, you know, compliment them and give them the thank you card. But now it's really focusing on, okay, how do we in, make them invest in the school and feel like they really have a share in what's going on? And the more I see that happening with the staff, the more the, the culture is becoming a positive. It, it, it's been positive, but it's even more positive now, especially in light of all the, the uh, pressures that we have on us. And that's because I think um, as teachers feel invested, they're willing to give more and it, it, it's a more personal thing for them. So uh, Jimmy Costas does a great job. You don't always offer solutions. You don't always you know, tell teachers how it's going to be or solve their problems. You get them to invest in it and help solve their own problems and and help work to improve the school as a whole. I totally agree. And I think we need to always invest in students too. So I think that's one thing he talks about is how, when he was a principal, he went to the cafeteria and the kids were leaving a mess behind and he stood on top of the table and threw the trash can and yelled at the kids and checked cameras with the SRO. And, and instead of just sitting down with the kids and like, let's figure this out together. So building leadership capacity with the kids and having kid voice and teacher voice and really creating this culture. I love this phrase of a, I got you culture versus I got you culture. So don't go into classrooms to catch teachers not giving their best. Go into classrooms to celebrate the successes and point out those next steps, um, but really go in there as a shoulder to shoulder, I'm with you kind of person rather than I hope you're doing great today because I'm coming into your class. You know, we talked about reframing and how to really you know, reframe kind of how we think about things. And I, I agree that that culture of investment. So just using that investment word, like, how am I investing in this? How am I investing in this group of students? How am I investing in this program? How am I investing in, you know, teacher growth? And so when you reframe it that way, I think that helps some of the ownership and empowerment for the growth in your school. And when others start hearing that, then it is a reflection of, am I investing and am I giving and supporting this as well? And it it just is that slight reframe that I think really helps build ownership across your culture of the school. And, and I would just add on to that, that it's investing in everybody. He has a part in there about rock stars and we all have rock stars at our school and we want to, you know, affirm them and, and, you know, have them do more for the school and you're doing such a great job. But if we focus on the rock stars, sometimes we fail to acknowledge the people that need the most investment, people that have the potential to be those rock stars, but haven't maybe been given the coaching, haven't been given the time or the space to really develop into that. So it takes some effort and some conscientious planning. And, and Justin, I really like what you said about keeping track about who you're investing in and the time you're spending with them, because it is important because teachers pick up on if you're investing more in somebody else and that creates a system of inequity, which is ultimately unhealthy for schools. 
all of you, your comments are just so spot on. And I, I will say personally, the ability to track and see and make sure you're connecting with all those teachers was a, a trick of the trade that I picked up from Justin when we were colleagues together. So we're always constantly learning. But Jimmy talks a lot, and you all have addressed this as well, about the culture of investment and how powerful that is in the whole system, as well as each other, ourselves. And, and just that word investment is so powerful. So Justin, in the book, he had a reflection question about sustaining that culture of investment. What it says is if educators are always asking for permission, you haven't done a very good job of building capacity. And that statement alone is pretty powerful. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? And how have you used your abilities to implement those strategies to build some leadership capacity? I think if, if people have to ask you for permission, then then you haven't created a building full of leaders. So I think if everyone knows where we're going, where everyone owns the mission and vision, that's where every student, every day, whatever it takes is literally everywhere. And then having those one-on-one conversations and sharing your story and your values and, and creating that, that ultimate relationship of like, I truly know them, not surface level, but go deep with people. Just like we're asking teachers to do with students, we should know everything about our teachers and what their values are. They should know that about us too. So when they are coming to us, when I say us, I mean our leadership team of like, let's implement this. We need to not be the lid. We need to flip the lid and figure out what that person is willing to invest and then figure out a way to make it happen. So if everyone knows where we're going and they know the values, then they know they don't have to ask permission because if you're doing right by kids and you have a solid plan and then building in that leadership and that collaboration with their peers, that's what we want. And it's hard to attain. So it's still a work in progress here because we're now half a year at Weld Central Middle School, um, but we're going to keep building that capacity. So people still come and ask for permission, but then it's following up with, I trust you. And then making sure your actions show that you do indeed trust them. And I love that, what you're saying, Justin, about that uh, mission and vision and values. And here at Thunder Valley, last year was my first year as a principal, and we really used Culturize, Jimmy's book, to really guide our thinking and develop what are our three core values as a team and as a school. And we came up with relationships, high expectations, and equity. And I think knowing that and having all of our staff be a part of that thinking and why those are our values and what we live by. And then now the staff knows that's how I frame all of of our questions. And they know if it can tie into our three core values, like, absolutely, let's do it. That's what we want is to build programs or make decisions based on our core values and having that ownership and that investment that they all were a part of that discussion and creating those. I think that also helps when we talk about rock stars and that equity piece is, you know, if you're going to come to me and you're, you're wanting some money or to spend something, it's how, how does it fit into our core values? And if you can answer that, then yes, everything just comes back to that and being a leader I've had to just keep, you know, redirecting and rerouting to those to really make that the center of who we are and what we do and how we make all of our decisions here. 
And that could be a scary thing. I mean, empowered educators is a term that we've used up in Eagle County schools for quite some time. And, you know, when you're empowered, sometimes you do things that may that we as principals may not be anticipating. And I think part of that goes back to the trust. We have to be able to um, trust that our teachers are doing things with the best intentions at heart and to be able to step back and be like, okay, maybe that wasn't what I had in mind, but let's talk about this. Why, why are you coming to it? And it usually does come back to this is because it's what's best for kids. It aligns with our mission statement. It's what um, we think our, our families are going to appreciate. And when we have those conversations with teachers, even though it may not be something that we originally intended, um, you can find a lot of kind of beauty and you know, some amazing things happening that, uh, you know, we can't think of everything. And so we have to empower our staff to come up with creative solutions. We'll often uh, kind of have an annual fail award up here. And it's for a teacher that tried something new, um, but it didn't work out too well. Um, but we have to be recognizing teachers and letting them take that chance. And hey, you failed, but you know, you tried and you made a good effort. And even though we failed in this, another door for success opened up. So uh, to recognize uh, success and failures and to work with teachers through that, because not everything's going to be a, a stunning success. So really, uh, it, going back to um, if we have those core values and that mission, and then we empower educators, if they're if, if we've really built that investment in that core mission and statement, we're, we're not going to have the problems that we thought we might. Yeah, I totally agree with those, those comments. And as we think about that investment culture, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit right there, Eric, as we talk about as leaders, we're fixers and we're nurturers and we own a lot of things and that's sometimes really hard. And in the book, Jimmy shared a lot of stories, personal stories. And one of the stories that just kind of resonated in my brain was that powerful example about the story of Justin, not our Justin who's with us here today. But he talked about how as principals and administrators, we feel the need to validate are to justify our impact on students. And we sometimes look for a way that we can measure that impact because we just, we feel bad when we don't do that, you know? And Eric, you alluded to this award or this little recognition kind of uh, tongue in cheek kind of way to do that. But we, we think about that as administrators, we carry a heavy burden when we feel like we failed a staff member or a student. So Jimmy walked us through this story as a way to remind ourselves that beating ourselves up over a situation that didn't turn out like we had hoped could leads to burnout. And it just leads to that self-doubt. And he talks about our daily interactions are making a positive difference, sometimes in small ways. And sometimes, as we just talked about investment of culture, our investment may not have a return until later on. That was really a powerful reminder because it is easy to get trapped in self-doubt as a leader. So Katrina, I'm just going to ask you, as this position is stressful as is, and this current educational environment, it's even more stressful. And we get caught up sometimes in that trap of self-doubt because everything we're doing is, is somewhat new in this, this new in educational environment. But as a leader, was there something in particular or story and example from the book that you could relate to as a leader? And how did you use that to grow your investment mindset? I would say that it's hard to just say one story, but really I think as we've talked, like it goes back to that communication. And when we think of teachers of, and I think more so this year, 
Um, I really connected with, yes, I want to solve their problems. I want to fix things for them. I want to be a support. And this year I have felt really like I'm not supportive or I can't fix things for them or I can't help them. And so I think that goes back to the communication and listening of what do you need and asking those specific questions and knowing there's been a lot of frustration this year from teachers and being specific. So is this something you're frustrated with me about or something I can change? And a lot of the answer is like, no, this, I mean, you can't, there's nothing you can do about this. And then, and then we can kind of move forward with, so what, what can we do to help that or to change that mindset? The other thing is um, that self-doubt and, and really getting some of that burnout. And the one thing that I've learned, and I, I, I tell my staff, we start feeling burnt out when we get stuck in that management phase that we're managing and we're fixing problems. And so really turning into that growth. And I reflect a lot on when I'm getting burnt out, it's because I haven't taken time to read or grow, or I haven't you know, read a, an article that's going to help me reflect on my practice or how to help teachers or that conversation of growth producing. And so really reminding that, yes, we can get burnt out, but what is it? Is it the managing? And then how do you go back to and make time for that self-care of this is where my passion is. So that's going to help me grow and grow my investment in, in our culture and bring us back to and ground us in the work, not necessarily the schedules and the, the managing sort of say. You know, Katrina, I, I agree with that. And that concept of self-doubt, I think, is a powerful one in the book and a trap that we all can fall into as leaders. And as I read the book, I reflected that I think a lot of the times I felt doubt as a leader was uh, when I didn't really have a sense on how something was going to go over. You know, how are the teachers going to react to this? Are they going to like it? And and when I find myself doing that, it's because I think I have a lack of feedback and I haven't had those conversations. And I think that doubt comes in when you, uh, you know, maybe don't know how your teachers are going to react when you're, when you're guessing how things are going to go over. And that's a sign to, to me that I need to spend a little bit more time investing, having those conversations, because when you have the feedback, I think that doubt goes away. You're more assured of what you're doing and how it's going to be received. So, um, you know, really having open, transparent leadership style and seeking feedback, even when it's not the feedback that you, you may want, um, helps really alleviate some of that self-doubt. Right. And it, and it, and it really comes down to, to belief as, as well. I like the story of like Cody where he has the pocket knife and, you know, one way to do it would be to almost shame the student to admit it, that why he brought the pocket knife. And the other one is going into caring, compassion and belief. But I think it really, it's a whole building full of people that truly believe every student every day, whatever it takes. And knowing that we're coming together and we're going to figure the student out together. And it might take five days. It might take all year long. It might take all three years, or it might hit later on when they're in high school, but we laid such a firm foundation that we're not going to see the outcome until later on, maybe even after high school. Um, but that belief factor that is there and then constantly adjusting, creating that system within your school of not just trying the same thing every day, looking at what you're doing, 
what does progress look like and be ready to adjust. But the belief factors is so, so crucial. Belief turns into how much potential you're going to tap into, which turns into action. And then ultimate results, which then reestablishes your belief even more, tapping into more of your potential. Um, so we have to create a building full of people that actually believe they are the number one determinant of the success or failure of students. But we also can't do it alone. So we're all impact makers, but we're a team all working together to help this kid. And Justin, I just want to add on real quickly what you were talking about there. Uh, all points to developing collective teacher efficacy. And, you know, John Hattie and his visible learning uh, suggests that collective teacher efficacy is one of the primary uh, indicators of uh, student achievement or predictors of student achievement. And that really comes about through this idea of investment, the fact that teachers believe that they can make a positive difference in the lives of kids. And, and that's incredibly powerful. If we come in and we feel defeated or not, or we're, we're teachers are full of self-doubt or we're not sure that we're making an impact, then it's hard to get the joy and um, reward out of this job that, that we are in here for. And so really uh, working with our staff on developing that collective teacher efficacy where, yes, we're in this together and gosh, we're, we're actually doing a good job. And these kids are better off because we are in their lives. And when teachers really hold that true, it not only improves the culture, but I really believe it improves student achievement as well. Wow. This is such great conversation. And I'm excited for our listeners as they resonate with some of this. Um, We're getting close to the end of this podcast and kind of wrapping up. There's so much power in this book as well as the book Culturized and you guys are definitely owning it and looking at that investment culture. So as we end this podcast, I'm just gonna ask you to to do some reflection thoughts, maybe what a takeaway you wanna share from the book, something that's maybe influenced your leadership style. What was impactful to you that, our listeners could benefit from? Uh, Well, I I would say that one of the main takeaways that I have, you know, it comes back to that idea of investment. And one thing we didn't really touch on much is investing in yourself. And and one thing I like is that Jimmy Costa is is intentional about that. And we do need to invest in ourselves. And the other thing I like about this book is there are some just, you know, very simple, uh, easy to follow things. You know, part of what you can do is take a walk with a colleague, ask for help, smile, smile, smile. Um, He gives some really good suggestions in there that are practical and easy to take away. And so, you know, the concept of investing in yourself and your staff and your students, uh, I think is really powerful. I've uh, bought this book for my leadership team. We're going to be doing a book study on it next month. And I, I think it's going to really help bring about the mindset in my team too, to help see these changes realized in our school. So I think this is a really powerful book. And uh, the idea that we always have to be reflecting, I think is also part of that investing in ourselves. So what are we doing? Uh, how do we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others? I always go back to that idea of the you know announcement you hear on the plane, that if there's a change in cabin pressure, you got to put on your own mask first before you assist the kids. And I don't think we can lose sight of that as, as uh, leaders because it's stressful. We want to do so much for our school, um, but we also have to take care of ourselves uh, and invest in that. I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I was just reflecting on that, really just taking care of yourself so that you can be be there for, for your team and your teachers and your students. Um, the, the one thing that I have just kept in my mind from reading this book is Jimmy says relationships are not something you can outsource. And the, the thing I reflected on with that is with 
delegating. And, you know, when you're a principal and you have a team of admin and you're delegating and building capacity in your assistant principals, it's a hard balance of, well, I see you're working with this teacher, uh, you know, observing or um, evaluating this teacher, but I also want to invest in that because that's also building that relationship. And so doing that and having those conversations and yes, we're on the same team, team and we're on the same page, but I feel sometimes that it is outsourcing that relationship. And so when to let go and then knowing like maybe I have some work on the other end to really connect with teachers that I don't work directly with. And that's coming from working on a bigger staff and having to do that. But it just was like, yes, they I cannot outsource this. And I think that's also a great thing for teachers to think about. You know, we get so busy and wrapped up in our work. And there are times that it's like, you know, if an admin can just talk to this kid and um, or can you just have them in your office for a while and then send them back. And it's it's really thinking and being intentional about that relationship with either the student or staff. And if you're outsourcing that opportunity and really taking advantage of that opportunity to build that relationship. I agree with both of you. It's creating this I got you culture and and really that investment in, in all of our teachers and modeling, modeling, modeling. So if we're working with teachers and if a teacher's not being successful, I hear other administrators saying like, how do we get this person out of here? How do we get them to retire? How do we shift them around? But in the end, if a teacher's not successful, we need to look in the mirror and figure out how to reestablish the relationships, reinvest in that teacher so that they can do great things for kids. Because the teachers are watching how we interact in those circumstances. Just like if a student's struggling in a class, we would not allow a teacher to boot a kid out of the class or say, get out of the school. Like, how do you reinvest in that kid? How do you reinvest in that relationship? Find out in the community, parents, like we're all in this together. So it's really that creating that circle of safety within our schools, not only for, for our students, but for our staff. One last comment and uh, maybe a shameless plug for Case, but when it comes to uh, investing in ourselves and taking care of ourselves and growing as leaders, um, I really have found my uh, involvement in Case and the networking and professional development that I've been able to get from this organization is one way that I do take care of myself and invest in it. And so um, I would highly recommend uh, you know anybody in our position to become a member of Case because it's an investment in an organization that helps out our profession but it's also an investment in ourselves. So I think that's uh, one thing that this book has really helped to drive home as well is that these sort of conversations, these sort of relationships are incredibly valuable in the work that we do. Listeners didn't pay him for that, but we appreciate it because it is true. We, we talk a lot about that. And what we can deem from this conversation with you three today is, is really that power of investment. And all three of you started this conversation with the word hope, reconnected, recommitted, and empowered. And you have definitely shared with our listeners today how not only the book, Live Your Excellence, Bring Your Best Self to School Every Day, or Culturized, or other leadership readings that you've had have really influenced your your style and what you've given out there. And I can honestly say that um, it's just been a treat to, to hang out with you today and hear from you and learn. And the field of education is definitely in a better better place because of your leadership, your passion, your your grit, your integrity, and your drive. And what you commit every day 
in investing and creating that investment mindset is so powerful. And we are just thrilled to have you to share this and just really want to thank you for speaking your heart today. For for me to hear so many of our colleagues speaking their heart and living your heart. I mean, that's the first word of Jimmy's book is live. You live what you say, you know, um, you know it, you believe it, you live it and you own it. So thank you, Justin, Katrina and Eric. To our listeners, please feel free. I can speak for Justin, Katrina, and Eric. If you want to follow up with them, they are always there to help and ready to give assistance and and be a part of helping you grow your leadership. So on behalf of Case and our esteemed guests, thank you for, for being with us today. Thank you. It was an honor.